0: I'm Laurie Cardoza-Moore, and this is Focus on Israel. for joining me today on Focus on Israel. My name is Lori Cardoza-Moore, a wife and proud mother of five wonderful children. Like most Americans, I began to ask a lot of questions about what happened to our country following 9-11. As I read and talked to experts, the issues of radical Islam and the attacks on America and Israel became extremely personal to me. In response, I founded Proclaiming Justice to the Nations a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and sharing the message of Christian biblical responsibility to the people and land of Israel against the rise of a new anti-Semitism. In this series, Focus on Israel, I wanna share with you what I've learned through my research and meetings with experts in their respective fields. The mission of this series and PJTN is to educate and equip you so that you can share this information with your family and friends. We'll present information you'll not see in the mainstream media. With your financial support, we can reach Christians around the world with our message to stand against the growing threat of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel propaganda. After studying the scriptures, I realized that God had not forsaken his covenant with his people Israel. Unfortunately, There is a growing trend in Christianity to spread an age-old false doctrine and tradition called replacement theology. This heretical doctrine suggests that because the Jews denied Christ, the covenant promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants now belong to the Church. That is why, during the Holocaust, many Christians turned a blind eye to the Nazi death camps. Many felt justified in their passive and active involvement because they believed the Jews were the Christ killers. For this reason, we must learn and spread the truth. It is so very important that at this critical time in history, we must turn our focus on Israel. Now, if you've missed any of our past programs, I highly recommend that you purchase the DVDs of our past programs Every lesson covers a specific topic, and each contains a wealth of information. Plus, each features interviews with numerous experts, including theologians, rabbis, pastors, political leaders, historians, and prominent archaeologists, many of them from Israel. Each program makes a great group study source to share with your family, friends, home group, or church. So please consider how you can make a difference and spread the word. Today, our topic is the Jewish church, which is an unusual combination of words. When we think of a Jewish house of worship, we think of a synagogue. And when we think of a Christian house of worship, we think of a church. What we may often forget is that the Christian church actually began in Jewish synagogues centuries ago. What we'll learn today is how that separation occurred and how it actually helped to start and fuel Christian anti-Semitism. It's like a bad family separation that is now slowly healing as Christians and Jews grow closer together. Joining us today to speak on this topic is Father Sam Clark. He's an ordained Anglican priest. Since his ordination, he has served two congregations His primary gifting is teaching the Word of God, with particular emphasis on the Hebrew roots of Christianity. In 2007, Sam was invited to serve as the first Executive Director of the newly established Christian Friends of Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum and Memorial in Jerusalem. Along with pastoring, he now serves as PJTN's Director of Programs and Development. He offers educated insight into the history of Christianity and how it split away from its Jewish roots.
1: The early church was a sect within Judaism. Um, Jesus, the apostles, all the early disciples, virtually most all the early disciples were Jews who still continued to worship as Jews but believed that Jesus is Messiah. They went to synagogues. A lot of times we read from the scriptures that after synagogue, on Shabbat, on the Sabbath day, they would meet in their homes, which would be after the sun goes down. They would meet in their homes and celebrate communion and have fellowship with each other. That's when they worshiped on the first day of the week, on Sunday, as opposed to on Sabbath. But in reality, they worshiped on Sabbath and then went and met. That night, because in the Jewish day, the, the day begins what we would call the night before. As soon as the sun goes down, the next day starts. So during the day, they go to synagogue. And that night, they would meet in their homes. They would break bread together. They would worship together. Uh, they worship their Messiah together and celebrate communion. Uh, so this was a Jewish group of believers worshiping as Jews, but also believing that Jesus is the Messiah. The head of the church was in Jerusalem, just like the head of Judaism, because, as I said, it's a sect within Judaism. They weren't separating themselves from from their Jewish heritage. The idea that the church was something that was called away from Judaism is incorrect. It was part of Judaism. So James, the brother of Jesus, was the head of the church in the the early church, uh, along with a council, and they would address any issues that might come up affecting the church. For instance, one of the issues that they had to face was the whole idea of what do you do with these Gentiles? Do Gentiles have to become Jews in order to be saved? Or can they be saved simply by trusting in Jesus as Messiah? Well, the whole history of of Judaism and the Hebrew people was God Almighty welcomed people into Israel, welcomed Gentiles into Israel, but you had to become a Jew. So you converted to Judaism, and then you were welcomed into the community of the Jewish family. And this, this applied also to the in the early church, Jewish church was there were people called Judaizers who said a Gentile can receive Jesus as their Messiah, but they have to convert. They have to be circumcised, they have to be a Torah obedient. Uh, they have to become Jews in order to be saved. Well, this created some tensions, particularly because of a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion, lived in a place called Caesarea, which is on the coast of the Mediterranean coast of Israel. Well, he was a godly man. Uh, he was recognized as a godly man by the Jewish people. He, was, he gave uh, alms to the poor and, was, and recognized the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, he had a an, an vision, and in this vision an angel said to him, call to Joppa and send for a man named Simon Peter. And he's going to tell you, he's got information for you, you need to know. So Cornelius sends for Simon Peter. Well, most times if, if a Jewish person was called to go to a Gentile home, he wouldn't do it. Well, in between the time that Cornelius received this revelation from the angel... Peter was up on the roof of a, a, a friend of his named Simon, who was a tanner. He was up on the roof and had a vision. And there's this, this, this sheet came down with all these uh, unclean animals in it. And, and a voice said to him, uh, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Oy vey, no way, I can't eat that. That's not kosher. Uh, and, and this happened three times. He had this vision, and he kept on hearing this voice, and, and finally, he, he couldn't figure it out. What's, what's the Lord trying to tell me? And about that time, these Gentiles came knocking on the door. And uh, he got the revelation that really God wasn't really talking about eating unclean animals. He was talking about making Gentiles uh, kosher. So he went with these men to Caesarea and met with Cornelius and went into his house. And the other Jews who were with him thought, whoa, you're not supposed to do that. Jews don't go in Gentile houses. Well, because of this revelation that Peter had on the top of of Simon the Tanner's house, he disobeyed that and went in and shared the gospel with them. Well, as he was sharing the gospel with them, all of a sudden, a Pentecost occurred. The Holy Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles. And Peter said to himself, if the Holy Spirit... Has been poured out, which is the end goal of our faith, is to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, just like our brothers and sisters were on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. How could we withhold baptism, initiation into what we call the church, from these people? So he baptized them. So these people were not told they need to go get circumcised; they need to be Torah obedient. They just these are believers. We cannot withhold from them the salvation. That's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, somewhere down the road, the Judaizers caught wind of all this and said, wait a minute, this is incorrect. They have to become Jews first. They have to be circumcised. They have to be Torah obedient. Then they can become part of the kingdom of God on earth. Well, that was one of the issues. And it was a major issue that James, the brother of Jesus, and the council had to deal with. And they basically came up after Peter said, "I want to remind you what happened at Caesarea with Cornelius," and basically the council said, "They don't Jews uh, Gentiles do not have to convert; they don't have to be circumcised. The kingdom of God is now we know is open to Jew and Gentile through faith in Jesus Christ." That well, was a nice decision, but the Judaizers didn't all accept this, which began to create this underlying tension between. Gentile believers and these Judaizers. And it also created tensions between Jews and Jewish believers. Jews who didn't believe Jesus was Messiah. So you had an environment of lots of tension. And then when uh, Titus came in and and kicked the Jews out of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, you had Jewish believers go to, to Pella across the Jordan River and... Their the rabbis go to Yavna where they developed rabb- rabbinic Judaism and uh, messianic Judaism was developed in Pella. Well, throughout the course of history, the early history of the church, more and more tensions were created between these Jewish believers and Jews who didn't believe. Most of the persecution at that time was by Jewish bo- uh, Jews who did not believe that Jesus was Messiah and Jews who did believe, Jews who believe that Jesus who did not believe that Jesus was Messiah, didn't persecute Gentiles. That wasn't an issue. The issue was within the family. A Jew should not believe that Jesus is Messiah. Uh, they should continue to worship as Jews under the law. Uh, uh, consequently because of some two major historical events that took place. The situation in Jerusalem where the temple was destroyed and then the Bar Kokhba rebellion. This tension between believing Jews and those who did not believe uh, reached the point where more and more Jews refused to believe and at the same time, more and more Gentiles began to believe, which shifted the balance of power within the church, so to speak, from it being a Jewish church to being a Gentile church. The center of the church then moved to Antioch and eventually to Alexandria and ultimately to Rome and it became a Gentile church. And very early on in the history of the church, anti-Judaism began to creep its way within the Gentile church. Uh, As early as the early part of the 2nd century, Ignatius, Uh, A bishop in Antioch basically said, we shouldn't be worshiping on the Sabbath. We worship on the day the Lord rose from the dead. We are going to distance ourselves from our Jewish heritage. Uh, Justin Martyr claimed that God's covenant with Israel was no longer valid and that Gentiles had replaced them, which is the early vestige of replacement theology, the idea that God has replaced Israel. With this Gentile church, God is finished with Israel, that God is is going to pour His wrath out on Israel, uh, and that the church now is a chosen people. Tertullian blamed the Jews for the death of Jesus. This is the early point at which they were called Christ killers. So you have two things going on. Christ killer, they're bad because they killed the Son of Almighty God, and the church has replaced them. So the church has every right to denigrate them, to persecute them. Anti-Judaism led to anti-Semitism. You don't like somebody's religion, eventually you're not going to like them as a people. Eusebius, who was a church historian in the 3rd century, taught that the promises of Scripture were for the Gentiles, while the curses were for the Jews. So you had all, this, this, all these things going on, and this, take, this took a long period of time from the time it, it went from a, a, a Jewish church, a sect within Judaism, to the shift to becoming a Gentile-dominated church that became anti-Jewish and anti-Semitic. And that began a history that led to open hostility between this now Christian church that saw itself completely separate from the Jewish people, separate from its Jewish roots. they... they In time, they began to officially separate anything that looked Jewish from uh, the church itself. The earliest indications that the church believed that it replaced Israel is right from the beginning. You're talking about the early second century, like the year one of Justin Martyr, who believed that God's covenant with Israel was gone, and that now the church replaced them. Uh, So you have and also the idea that we stop worshiping on Sabbath and we start worshiping on Sunday. Not because the Bible says that, because the Bible says the contrary to that, but because they wanted to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and get away from anything that looked Jewish. Constantine became the emperor of Rome. He legitimized Christianity. He set himself up as the patron of the church. The church became fully accepted, fully Romanized. And he called a council, Constantine called a council in 325, a council to address ostensibly heresy in the church. There was a, a, a heresy that was that was hurting the church and need to be dealt with. So he called 318 bishops from around the world to this council at Nicaea. Not a single one of those bishops were Jews who believed that Jesus was Messiah. These were all Gentiles. So you can see how far the church has gone from its early, headquarters in Jerusalem under James, the brother of Jesus, to now a church that ostensibly is headed up by Constantine and a council at Nicaea by 318 bishops, none of which have a Jewish heritage. At that council, they they established Easter as the day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and chose a different date than the date that He was actually crucified on, that we know was Passover. They don't want to have anything to do with Passover. They didn't want to have anything to do with their Jewish roots. From this point on, it became, through church councils after Nicaea, it was forbidden to even have a worship on, on Sabbath. Uh, laws were passed to denigrate the Jewish people. Uh, Christians were not allowed to marry Jews. Uh, there are all kinds of things that, that, that the church was doing to mistreat, to maltreat the Jewish people because they believed the church had replaced Israel, replaced the Jewish people as God's chosen people. They believed they're Christ killers and they deserved everything that they got coming to them. And virtually all the early church fathers were anti-Semitic to one level or another, including probably the, the greatest, one of the greatest early church uh, theologians, Augustine. He didn't. He didn't approve that the Jewish people should be killed, but he said they should be separated, and denigrated for what they did to the Lord and Savior of the world. And then from there it went from bad to worse. Uh, they were they were called uh, every evil name. They were they were pogroms, which were uh, periods in which the Jews were murdered and killed and uh, uh, for their faith. And uh, uh, Christians were no longer anything that, that looked Jewish all the feasts of the Lord were not feasts of the Lord from the church's perspective they were feasts of Jews so the church abandoned all those even though Jesus as we've already talked about Jesus celebrated all the feasts he went to worship in the synagogue on Saturday uh, and so his death was celebrated on Passover not on uh Easter. If 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 Paul, Peter, and Paul were here, and and we asked them, what are you doing on Easter, or on Good Friday, uh, or on Monday, Thursday, they would look at you and say, "What in the world are you talking about?" Uh, but if you told them, "What what does Passover mean to you?" they would share the gospel that that's all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so. Uh, The church went a long way. But today, the good news is the church is rediscovering its Hebrew heritage, rediscovering the feast in the context that they're all pictures of the first and second coming of Messiah Jesus. Uh, So a new day has arisen. God has fulfilled his prophecies to bring his people back to the land. Israel exists as a sovereign nation persecuted by all those around them, but still they're a sovereign nation in fulfillment of a multitude of prophecies found in the Hebrew Scriptures. And the church, many in the church, are actually fulfilling Isaiah's uh, prophecy that they would help the Jews come back to the land uh, through ministries like the International Christian Embassy, uh, the International Federation of Jews and Christians, Rabbi Eckstein. Christians are actually helping Jews from around the world make their way back to the promised land.
0: A friend recently sent me an article written by Bernard Starr titled, Jesus was Jewish? That's news to many Christians. As he interviewed Christians about the Jewishness of Jesus, he was surprised by some of the comments he received. One woman believed that he was born Jewish, but became a Christian when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Another individual believes that Jesus was a Christian. Sadly, the church has done a poor job in educating Christians about the Hebrew roots of Christianity. The fact is, Jesus was born in a Jewish family who kept Torah and observed the feasts. He prayed in synagogues and taught Torah to the multitudes of followers. All of this is clearly stated in the Gospels, if only one would read them from a Hebraic understanding. Well, that's our show for today. And I wanna thank you for watching. Be sure to join us next week as we'll be focusing on the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. Please encourage your family and friends to tune in and check the PJTN website for scheduled showings of Focus on Israel. God bless you and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren and all Israel. We'll see you next time on Focus on Israel.
2: To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, P.O. Box 682711, Franklin, Tennessee 37068. You can also support PJTN online, visit PJTN.org or call 1-877-873-9020.
0: Anti-Semitism has reached epic proportions and Israel is now surrounded by nations who seek its destruction. For Israel to lose just one battle would mean losing everything. As Christians, it is our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and Israel. PJTN needs your help to reach more Christians with this urgent message. Please visit our website to become a member today and order our award-winning documentaries. You must decide that you won't be silent. Sign up now at PJTN.org. God bless you and thank you for your support and prayers.
2: Focus on Israel is now available on DVD. Each program DVD contains a wealth of bonus materials, including the premier program that started it all, Focus on Israel, program number one. Also, bonus interview cuts with experts in their respective fields. Informational videos from PJTN documentaries, including Israel Indivisible, The Case for the Ancient Homeland, Lest We Forget, 9-11 and the Rise of Islam The Forgotten People, Christianity and the Holocaust Disinformation, the secret strategy to destroy the West Plus the award-winning music video, The Forgotten People Focus on Israel program DVDs Great educational tools to combat anti-Semitism Arm yourself and order today Please go online to pjtn.org To order, just click on the Store tab. Thanks and blessings from Focus on Israel.